Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast, helping individuals and businesses unleash their potential. Join us every episode as host Adam Gregg discusses what is holding us back and how to find hope for moving forward. Along the way, we discuss developing healthy relationships and navigating life transitions while overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Live the life you want, the legacy you decide. Hey, welcome back to the Decide Your Legacy podcast. And you are tuning back in. Very excited about that. Today we're going to talk about negativity. Why do we get so negative? Why do we get consumed by negativity? And how do we break it and get out of that so we can become ourselves and more positive? Well, this is a very deep, rich topic. And for one, we are negative because we think that it's going to keep us safe. It's going to protect us. We're going to dig deep into that today. Before I actually jump in, though, I want to address two questions from listeners that I've received recently. One of them actually relates to the topic. It's, you know, Adam, I feel stuck in negativity. I've been doing this too long. I don't believe I can actually get out. I feel hopeless. I feel hopeless. And we're going to address that actually today. The second question is, Adam, I found the goals that I have are not necessarily what I want anymore. And I feel shameful about this. Perhaps that I've wasted a lot of time pursuing goals that I don't even want to pursue anymore. What do I do? So really, that's actually a great thing that you recognize it. And it happens to everybody that actually sets goals. We realize that these goals no longer align with the direction they want to head in. And so you probably had a values misalignment from the beginning. It didn't align. They didn't align with your values. You're getting clarity with your values. And now you're realigning your goals towards your values. A wonderful, wonderful thing. So I would say the first thing you do is you say, hey, I'm going to set new goals. I'm going to find new goals that do align. And you get to let go. And you get to say those things actually benefited me because they provided some clarity. And we're going to address goal setting in a future podcast as well. That at least is my hope to address that. I'm not sure when, but we will. So I'm Adam Gregg. I'm a family therapist. I'm a mental health professional, do life coaching as well, corporate training. And my purpose in life is to help people find transformational clarity and to overcome their biggest fears, to get out of their head, to live life, to stop this negative thinking, this anxious thinking, to move forward with their lives. That's my purpose and my passion and my desire. When I talk about things like this topic today, negativity, I like to talk about it in a way that a six-year-old could actually understand it. So somebody, very basic principles that you could talk to your kids about and they will understand and probably understand it even better than you at times. So, and also I talk about things that I need help with myself that I struggle with myself. And this is a huge one for me. I will tell you, and you'll probably get to learn some things about me that you don't even want to know. I mean, I'm telling you, I try to hide a lot of times how negative I can be because I talk about things and I feel like I'm very helpful to clients, but oftentimes I'm more helpful to clients than I am to myself. I mean, I can be a negative person. And some of that has to do with some things I've gone through in recent years. But I'll tell you, I can be more encouraging to my family and my friends than I am to actually myself. And I can be more encouraging and inspiring to other people than I am to myself. I can be a critical person. I can be critical of other people as well. And that criticism, though, if I think about it, it comes from believing that if I can see all the negative stuff that could potentially happen, 
in my life, professionally, personally, well, they could hurt me, this could happen, oh, I don't like this about them, oh, I didn't like that, this thing needs to be in order, and I become very controlling, that I'm gonna somehow be kept safe because all this stuff that I see that could go wrong, I'm preventing from actually happening because I'm recognizing it in advance. And that's very dysfunctional, it's very wrong. And it has a huge cost to it. Because all I'm doing is staying safe and isolated and I'm not seeing all these good positive things that could actually happen. I'm not meeting all these people that could actually have a huge impact on my life. I'm not exposing myself to good things. And I'm one-upping every situation. So I've realized that over time, you know, if I have this arrogance to me or this ego to me, well, I'm just basically putting myself on a pedestal. I'm saying that I'm somehow superior to other people, even though it may come across as having this real deep negative kind of focus. But I'm really saying that, okay, I'm I'm better than other people. And, and I'm looking down in a way. And so, you know, I can say all, all these things, it can happen in so many different ways. It can just be incredible. It can, all these ways, it can be with my family, people I love, anything. And, and that, that ego mentality, that psyche, it's protecting me or whatever is actually, I mean, it, I think it's helping me in a, in a sick kind of way, but it's really making life miserable. It's creating suffering because it's this, it's this thing that consumes my entire life overall. And so there's a huge cost to being negative, a huge cost. And we have to think too that it's, it's our brain's job, our psyche, you know, to look around you and to say, all these things can go wrong and I'm going to protect Adam from this. It's my brain's job. It's like, and think about it too, it's it's like Teflon versus Velcro, that that a positive encouraging thought, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to slip off. It takes about, it takes about 14 seconds for, for something that's encouraging and motivating and positive to actually stick. It takes about two seconds for something negative, something that you see wrong that could actually happen to actually stick. It's like Velcro. Teflon versus Velcro. So it's a ton of work to actually overcome our negative thinking, our, our critical thinking. It's a ton of work, but the benefit, I'm telling you, it makes the biggest benefit in our lives if we can actually overpower this stuff. But we get stuck in ruts. We even have words for this, you know, neuro pathways, pathways of negativity or pathways of positivity, ruts in our thinking that we have to overpower and step away from and do something about. So we're going to address that today. We're going to go deep. But before we actually go deep into this, I do want you just to take a time, take some time right now to reflect on how does your criticism of other people and yourself and how does this negative viewpoint, how is it really impacting your life? How is it really impacting your life? What is it doing? What is the cost to you? Is it impacting your health? Is it impacting your marriage? Is it impacting your career? Is it impacting the fun that you have in life? Is it impacting the way you view your future and the opportunities you pursue or don't pursue? Is it keeping you stuck in your head? Is it keeping you stuck in your house? How is it actually impacting your life? Count the cost. That's a huge thing for you to do. Is it causing you depression? Is it causing you anxiety? Is it aging you? Is it causing gray hair? And today what we're gonna do is talk about three things that you gotta do, three actions you can take today to overpower this negativity. So you gotta tune in, stick with this podcast. It's gonna change your life if you do. 
If you take one thing, one action that I suggest to heart and actually apply it and overpower that negative voice, which by the way, I like to call that negative voice in my head the you know, I have I have I have some cuss words that I use for it, but I, I can't probably say it on this podcast, but I don't want to have any kind of friendship with it. I don't want to see it as my ally. And that's the, actually the first thing you do. One of the big actions you got to take to overpower the critical voice is to become aware of it. Sounds simple, but to become aware of this voice, to step back from it, to start to recognize when it raises its ugly head. So the first thing in the morning when I wake up, it's usually just ranting. It's telling me all the things that are going to go wrong today, all the mistakes I've made over the weekend, all the mistakes I've made in my life. And that awareness is when I have some space from it and I say, there it goes again. There it goes again. There's that fear. There's that negativity. There's that critical voice. That awareness that I have helps me to see that I don't have to be consumed by it. And there's all these things that I can do, many of which I don't and I avoid, but all these awareness type activities. So going on a walk for me can be an awareness or an awakening activity. There goes that voice again. There's the negativity again because it's so powerful when I have this quiet space. And when I go on a walk and I try to notice the birds and the squirrels and then that voice is so loud, is so loud because it's reminding me of these mistakes and these failures and all these things that are gonna go wrong. And that becomes hugely beneficial because I'm starting to see that this is not me. And then I can even start to become aware of what it's telling me, that you've made this mistake, you've made that mistake. And that voice is very powerful because over the last few years, I've had some things in my life that have not gone really well. And I've made some mistakes and I've had some failures in my life and things that I wish I would have done different even 20 years ago that trusting people I shouldn't have trusted, you know, and if I would have trusted my instincts that I wouldn't have trusted them or making decisions that I feel, you know, kind of foolish about or whatever, but those things, they can raise up and it becomes this regret and this shame. But when we do become aware of it and we notice it, then we can do something about it. Before, I was just reacting to life and going through life and not having any awareness that this negativity was even impacting me. I wasn't having any awareness that I was being critical of all those people that I love and being judgmental of all those people that I love because I wasn't stepping back and taking the time to gain some awareness of what this negativity was doing to my life. So that's first thing. You gotta figure out how and become awareness. No more denial. No more denial. And so that awareness too can come from just being around positive people and hearing and seeing how they interact and seeing what they say and engaging different kinds of people who are hopeful and optimistic and seeing that I'm not doing this kind of stuff. I'm not thinking like them, but I like them and they seem to be healthy. So we're being around people who have this positive spirit consistently. Becoming aware. That's gonna be a lifelong a lifelong endeavor for you, for me, for all of us, that we get to step back. So the second thing, second action you gotta take is to have, have relentless optimism, relentless gratitude and optimism, relentless seeing the potential versus the fear, relentlessly seeing the opportunity versus what could go wrong, 
relentlessly pursuing hope. And that's it. I mean, I mean it. There's no other word that I can think of it. It's like relentless day-to-day, moment-by-moment. First of all, we're becoming aware that we're being negative. Second of all, we're relentlessly pursuing this gratitude and optimism. Whatever it takes. And at the best moments of my life, I'm always journaling. At the best moments of my life, I'm posting things that are positive. I'm seeing the things that I like about myself. I'm seeing the things that I like about my family and my friends. I'm pointing it out to them. I'm doing those things that are putting this gratitude inside of my life. And I'm relentlessly pursuing those opportunities to step back and recognize that there I go again, Adam. There I go again. I'm being negative. I'm being critical. I'm doing it again. So some things you can do with relentless gratitude, and this is practical stuff that hopefully helps it to sink in, is that you consistently recognize in the different areas of your life what is going well and what the opportunities are. So if you just think of a broad category like work, it's very easy to be negative, but you could say and you could find, and I can almost guarantee you if you have the most miserable job in the world, if you're living in America and you got a paycheck, that 85% of it is actually positive. That you can find some positive things. You may have a horrible boss. You may have a, it may be a horrible company. You may need to leave. You, you may need to be working on your resume to get out. I'm not saying that that's not the case, but even then, there are some things and there are most things about your job that are actually positive. And it could be as simple as you got one coworker that you love and you get to talk sports and you get to talk passionate things, whatever. I mean, in a healthy way, you get to talk encouraging, hopeful type topics and that is something you can be grateful for. What else? Maybe in your health, there are some things that are going wrong, but you can find some things that are going right and you can intentionally try to focus on those things that are going right. Maybe you think you're too old and you don't think you have any chance to grow or learn or progress in your health, but you can grasp the fact if you are truly honest with yourself at a gut level that you can work on your mental health, that you can work on your physical health, that you can get out today and ride your bike, that you can go on a walk later today, a two-mile walk or something where you can clear your head and work on your health. And that gratitude, that moment you may not feel any better by thinking about it. You may not for have an ounce of just inspiration from thinking about it or writing down that thing you're grateful for. But you can, by faith, trust that it actually is going to help you. And I would suggest that you should grasp by faith that it actually is helping you and is going to help you. So other gratitude questions that I really like. How can I be thankful for a challenge that I've had recently? What's an opportunity ahead that I have that I should be grateful, that I can be grateful for? What in nature inspires me? What is something around me in my physical space, even in my home environment or in the area that I live that inspires me or from a picture or from art or from what's something that inspires me? In what ways can I help somebody today? By the end of the day today, what's one way that I can help in a very altruistic, non-paycheck fashion, help somebody, encourage them, say something positive. What is something that's made me laugh? And how can I focus on that in a healthy way? What's something I've learned recently? You could answer these questions every single day. What's something that I've learned recently that I can actually maybe teach to somebody else or talk to somebody else about that I've learned? What's something that I've learned? What's different today in my life that's better than it was a year ago? What's different today in my life is better than it was a year, a year ago. And what good, what good has come out of a bad experience? What good has come out of a hard experience? 
What good has come out of even a traumatic experience that I've had in my past? Something horrible, horrific, but maybe it's inspired you in some way. And until you step back and you sense it, because when you go and you notice, what happens is when you notice the negativity, you're also going to notice the inspiration. You're also going to notice the inspira- in spirits because some other things are going to come from within. And that's the gratitude. And that's the, inspira- that's the, I should do this. I should go talk to this person. I should thank this person. I should encourage this person. That inspiration we want to follow, the negativity we don't. But we start through this space, we start to notice the difference. And we start to notice the difference when we practice gratitude. We engage positive friendships. We engage positive people. I used to post my goals. I haven't done this in a while, but every morning I would have to walk past them and look at them and see them. And then I would post these images of my goals and these images of encouraging things. I still do that in some ways because on my fridge, I have you know national parks I've been to. I have pictures of people I love people that inspire me, but I often walk by my fridge. I don't even really think about it. Every once in a while, I just have this moment of inspiration and I see a picture of my daughter when she was five and I think, man, she, we have had so many great experiences together, you know, and look at, look at, and she's 13 right now, by the way, and then I'm inspired. I think we're going to have so many great experiences in the future. I don't even necessarily know where that comes from, but it's something inside of me because I'm putting myself around these inspiring things. And I think that's why we like pictures of people we love and pictures of an art that inspires us, you know, wonderful art, beautiful art, things, spaces even, you know, my friend who lives in San Francisco, he, I was talking to him on the phone and we were actually FaceTiming and he was, he lives in downtown area and he went on a walk and I was really discouraged. And then on his walk, he was walking through um, part of San Francisco where they had the World's Fair. There's this massive, I don't even know what it's called, but it's this massive dome. And he walked into that and there were some people inside there that were laughing and having fun. And I was talking to him and just looking around San Francisco and just some of the, he walked a couple miles while we were talking. He looked at some parks and I think it maybe he went to Golden Gate Park and was walking around. And I'm like, man, this is, and I was really negative, man, but he wouldn't let me for a second just get stuck in my negativity. He's like, you know, we're going to go on a walk and you got all these good things ahead of you and these positive things. And he showed me this beautiful art, this building, and he showed me the park. And then he had his dog and he was kind of goofing around with his dog and everything. And he just wouldn't let me, he wouldn't let me do it, man. He wouldn't let me even go there. And it was like, this is exactly what, what I needed because and that was relentless optimism from my friend. It was relentless encouragement from my friend. And I needed that. And it started to change my disposition and even started to change my weekend that I had. Because for me, like I said, I mean, I can be so negative and critical. And it's not just of other people. I would tell you that I'm, I'm harshest with myself. I'm harshest with myself because I can help other people. But with myself, I can just be brutal and I can be brutal with other people too because it's hard not to be when you're so negative with yourself. But if I sense the negativity with myself and I recognize it and I start to be relentlessly optimistic and just start to journal, start to answer these questions, start to look at all the areas of my life and say, what's going right? What's going right spiritually? What's going right with my friends and family? What's going right with my financial condition? What's going right with my health? Then I can start to rise above it. And it can take all the energy that I have. But I do believe that God is not going to give us 
a, a challenge that we cannot face and we cannot handle. And it's a whatever your your spiritual beliefs are. I know there's lots of them. And I'm not going to criticize your beliefs, whatever. But just thinking that there is some force out there that is not going to give us more than we can handle, and it's going to give us only what we can handle. Is who believes in us enough that we can actually do and, and face the challenge. We can face the challenges that we're facing right now. And that's the that's the third action that you got to take is 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 and this is this is what well, really it's it's just taking action it's doing something and for me this really goes down to figuring out that I can I I I have some power in my situation that if I do take these actions if I do start to believe that there is hope in my life and that there are good things in my future and there are people that I can trust and there are situations that I can face and rise above, then I can take action that is often contradictory to what I'm thinking and feeling, but is leading me towards hope. And that action is gonna get me to a different place. That action is gonna make a big difference. And so I'm a believer in cognitive behavioral therapy and CBT. And what cognitive behavioral therapy basically means is that we have our thinking, and it is in a nutshell basically, is that our thinking has a great impact on how we feel. And our thinking, and we have a situation that happens and then we're gonna perceive, we're gonna view that situation based on our core beliefs, which come from our past, the way we view the world, our worldview, it can be trauma impacted, people are trustworthy, people are not trustworthy. There's good things in my future, there's bad things in my future. We're gonna view the world in that situation and it can be very situational because we can be optimistic in some situations and very negative in other situations in our lives. But that view, that that perception, that attitude is our thinking and that's our cognitions. That's another word for that, our cognitions. And then we're gonna feel, have emotions based on how we're thinking. And then so our, we, if we are negative and discouraged, it's because that's an emotion because at some level we're thinking that, you know, this is a bad situation. Things are not going to happen that are good. And then out of that emotion, we act. We typically act based on emotion. So if I wake up and I did really discouraged today, kind of want to stay in bed, not wanting to engage life, not wanting to do this podcast, not really wanting to do much. And I was even going to call my podcast guy and cancel it because I was just so negative. And then I was able to rise above it and see, you know, Adam, you got some things to offer. You can help other people. You got some things to talk about. And so I took an action that was actually contradictory to how I was feeling when I woke up this morning. And that action, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, it's that's a behavior. So I'm taking a behavior. I'm taking, I'm doing something. That action is going to lead to a result. I don't know what that result's actually going to be, but it's going to lead to some kind of result. And I can believe by faith it's going to be a positive result. I don't know specifically what that result is going to be, but this creates a cycle. So we start to change our thinking. It starts to change our emotions, which starts to impact our actions and which impacts our results. So, and I believe by faith that when I take more positive action, when I engage people, when I encourage people, when I do those things I don't necessarily want to do because I can be so negative and critical, it's going to lead to a different result in my life. And often I have to say, well, here's my negative thinking, my critical thinking, and the opposite is more true than what I'm thinking right now. And even saying I'm going to take an action that's opposite of what I'm thinking 
is going to lead to a much better result in my life. So simply, if I think everybody's negative and discouraging and I'm I'm just negative and critical about everybody else, well, the action could be I'm going to start encouraging other people. I'm going to start engaging other people, even though I don't want to do that. That's cognitive behavioral therapy. So if your action here, I would suggest, is going to be to just trust that if you do the right thing and you get out of your head and you step away and you try to do things based on hope, that it's going to lead to a much better result. It's going to lead to a much better result. And so I go, and I mentioned this before, I go to Al-Anon meetings, a 12-step program, open to everybody. You can. The only requirement is that your life has been somehow impacted by addiction, by alcoholism, which I would suggest that everyone's life at some level has been ad- impacted by addiction or alcoholism at some level. Everybody can relate. So the second step of Alcoholics Anonymous and Al-Anon and any 12-step program Um, like Celebrate Recovery, and there's other formats, and 12 Steps are used in a lot of different formats, Um, is came to believe a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. And by sanity, what I think of is that we're just not thinking clearly. We're negative. It's not that you're crazy. It's not that you're mentally ill. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you're not thinking about things through a lens of hope and positivity. You're just not in a great space. So space. So when I woke up this morning, I was insane. I was just not in a great space. I was insane. I mean, I'm not crazy, you know, maybe I am crazy in some ways, but I I just was negative. I wasn't thinking clearly. I mean, yesterday for a significant chunk of the day, I would say I was insane. I just wasn't myself. I just wasn't thinking positively. And then in the evening, I actually snapped out of it and I was in a much healthier space. And it was after talking to my mom and my friend Nate and having some good experiences with my daughter and going on a walk and playing with my dog. And I mean, doing some things that were pretty cool and encouraging, eating some ice cream that always can help uh, get me to a better state. But I was not in the best space. And so came to believe a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. It's a whole, just that believing that there is something good out there, something good for me and other people, just believing that there is a power greater than myself, there is something greater than myself that can get me to a better space, gives me that hope of moving forward. So then I start taking action and I start practicing you know, I start posting my goals and remembering the good things in my life and had a, had a friend challenge me to start listing encouraging things clients have said to me, hopeful things about how I've helped their lives or their family or whatever, and then start reflecting on those every day. And if I believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity, then I will go ahead and look at those things and believe this could have an impact on my life. Or I will start believing that if I keep stay in the course and doing things out of faith that it will have an impact on my life, you know, and, and that it will change some things that I can trust. So whatever you want to say, it's trusting that third action, that third action for you to take is to take action based on faith, to take action based on trust, even trusting other people's viewpoint that are hopeful and encouraging in your life, you know, like your parents, like your friends, like your family. Yesterday, I did something with my daughter. I actually applied something. Um, well, actually, not yesterday. It was Friday. And my my daughter has chores to do every week, and she does these on Thursday. And I have chores as well, and I do those on Thursday as well, usually with her. And we do our chores together. And 
then I check her chores, and usually I check them right afterwards, but to, on Thursday, we were doing something that evening, and so I ended up checking her chores on Friday. And when I went through the chores, I mean, 95% of them were great. I mean, it was probably the best she had ever done. And I pay her an allowance, and I knew that there were a, there were a couple things I wanted her to redo. And you know, when I think of chores, I think, well, I'm trying to help her to you know be responsible, have a job in the future, this and that. And so I could have just kind of ignored those things, but instead, which I feel like was the right thing to do by faith, I was gonna give her a few things I wanted her to redo. And I knew it probably caused some conflict. And I also knew that if I approached it saying, hey, Emerson, I mean, 95% of what you did was great. Here's what you did that was great. Here's what you did that was great. Here's what you did that was great, which I didn't really do a good job of that. I kind of came and said, here's what I want you to work on. I said like, yeah, 95% of what you did was great, but I didn't I didn't really put a lot of emphasis in it. And so anyway, it didn't turn out great. She got discouraged by it. And then it kind of turned negative. But I also knew that this was the right thing to do and I wanted to teach her. I could have just backed off and said, no, you don't have to do these things. But instead I said, you know, Emerson, you gotta gotta get this done. Sure, I'm sorry, I could have been more positive and encouraging, but here's the requirement. And I stuck with it. And it sounds very simple, but I stuck with it by faith because it could have, I could have, and I thought maybe this will derail our night, but I kept going back, this is the right thing to do. This is a good thing as a dad. And, and in the past I've kind of caved. And I kind of haven't challenged the way I should, but no, and I think I just stepped away from it. (laughs) And it ended up being, she did those chores and she ended up having just a great attitude afterwards. I feel like she felt proud that she finished and she felt proud that she stepped back and decided to engage and decided to get everything done. Then she got her allowance. Then she had a friend over that night, went swimming, and it was just a great, really positive, encouraging night for her because she was able to be around one of her really encouraging friends who gave who helps her to have a great attitude. And that friend she spent a whole bunch of time with over the weekend, which was awesome because she hasn't had that time that she really needs, even as a 13-year-old. Well, especially as a 13-year-old, at all ages, we need to have those positive people around us in our lives. So that was a by-faith thing right there. Practical things you can do to apply this, to apply these three actions. Well, first thing, very practical, is start to make a list every day. And I call this, well, I have a lot of names of this, but I can call it my anxiety list. What does the voice of anxiety say? And then what does the voice of hope say? So every day you start to write down what is fear telling me? And you journal this and you make a list and you do this when you have these chances of stepping back like going on a walk or praying or meditating or going to a yoga class or working out or you have these moments where you, this voice, this this fear is starting to chime in, but you write it down somewhere, you record it somewhere on your phone, you stop and you say, here's my list for the day. And these are this is the voice of anxiety, this is the voice of fear and that's creating some awareness and some space so that you can replace it. And then what you do on the other side of that list or later on, you say, well, what does hope say in this situation? So anxiety is saying it's going to go wrong. You're going to fail. People are going to laugh at you. You know, you address these chores. It's going to be a horrible experience. It's going to ruin your weekend with Emerson, whatever. And then what does hope say? Well, hope says, well, she can learn and grow and you're being a good dad and stick with it. And so you take action by faith. You record that. And so you start to do these things that give you some space. You start to do these things that can give you some space. And so when you record these things, then you can actually talk to somebody about them. You can start adding hope because you're addressing them. You're doing something about the negativity. So that's one thing you can do. 
Another thing you can do, practically speaking, is to start encouraging people. Start doing things that are actually encouraging. Start saying things that are actually encouraging. Three questions you can ask, especially with people who you really struggle with, coworkers, friends, family. One, what do I appreciate about this person? What skills do they have? What experiences have we had? What do I appreciate about this person? Two, how is my life better because this person is actually in it? How is my life better? Even if it's somebody you don't get along with or an estranged brother or somebody that you really don't ever spend much time with or maybe you haven't talked to them in years and when you think of them, it's just all negative. But what do I really, what is it, what is something, how is my life better because they are actually in it? And I can just guarantee you that you're gonna find some things. So I have relatives I haven't spoken to or seen in in a while and I can have negative views at times and just that activity right there has has in, has changed the relationship. I mean, I I kid you not, in one situation it has just transformed the relationship because I can see how this person has had a positive impact on my life. The third thing is is what positive experiences have I had in my life with that person in my life? What are the positive experiences? It could be somebody new in your life could be somebody, but you've had a couple positive interactions with them, or you could have positive interactions with them in the future, and you start to focus on those and the potential in that relationship. So third thing that you can do, practically speaking, is you can do things to intentionally just let go. And I mean, intentionally trust God, intentionally have faith. What what I mean by that is intentionally letting go can be can be that you're going to just stop controlling it. You're going to intentionally trust that if you leave dirty dishes in the sink and you don't get everything done, that your house is not going to fall apart because you know that it's not going to fall apart and it's going to be okay and you can let go. You can intentionally do something like I did. Well, it's been a month, almost a month now, is rent an RV and and just let go, just be flexible. Whatever happens, happens on our trip, which is the attitude I tried to have with my daughter when we were driving around Cal, uh, Colorado and Utah on the RV. Just intentionally, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna go with it. I'm just gonna let go. And I'm gonna trust, I'm not gonna do immoral things or things that compromise my values, but I'm gonna say, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay, and I'm gonna trust that something good can come out of the situation. And I, for you, it could be practically that you're gonna to talk to your boss, or you're gonna encourage your kids, or you're gonna go and you're gonna plant a garden, and or I mean, maybe too late for that now, but uh, you're gonna do something, uh, take on a new adventure. You're gonna play golf. You're gonna play frisbee golf. You're gonna watch something on TV that you normally wouldn't watch. Uh, that could be really encouraging with your family. You're gonna have a family meeting with your family because you believe it could help, but you're gonna intentionally let go of the outcome and you're gonna do it by faith. So you can practice that and you can do that. And the fourth thing here, practically speaking, is to to deal with your past because a lot of the negativity that we have can be based on trauma we've been through and abuse we've experienced or neglect we've experienced or negative people in our lives in the past that have hurt us, that are that have formed this view that we have started to form towards other people. And if we don't actually deal with our past, then we don't see how that voice is not us. It's just our psyche. It's just our it's just that anxiety trying to protect us from being hurt again. When we deal with our past and we face our past, then we're realizing that that, vo- that voice is not us. 
and I can actually replace it. In fact, it's not even me, it's this other person who was in my life in the past that hurt me, that was so critical of me, that was so fearful, and that was trying to maybe even some, in some situations to help me, but that no longer has to be me, that no longer has to drive me, and I start to get some space from it. That's a huge deal. And we're gonna talk about that in future podcast episodes, hopefully. How to deal with your past, how to make room in your life, how to deal with and overcome the negative voice that's primarily driven because of because of my past, because of what's happened in the in the past. So final thing, just a few things you can do with this podcast and uh, moving forward. One is tell your friends about this. Tell your family about this. Tell people you love about this. If you found anything helpful today, tell somebody about it. Listen to it again. You can go back to past episodes. I've addressed anxiety in a couple previous episodes. Go back and check those out. This is episode number 10. Information that I hope you can revisit that will help you again and again. Another thing you can do is you can go to the decideyourlegacy.com website and subscribe. Subscribe to my newsletter. You're gonna get really valuable content emailed to you on a consistent basis. You'll be reminded of when you get a new podcast comes out and you can you can do that. So um, also subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe and leave a review if you found it helpful. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify or other formats that you actually engage podcasts subscribe so you get those reminders. So go to the website though, sign up for the newsletter, and then if you want help to overcome the negativity in your life, if you want help to overcome your critical spirit, the way you engage people, well, not only subscribe to the decideyourlegacy.com newsletter, but reach out. Contact us. Contact me and my team. And then we have forms, we I mean we have ways we we can help you. You can get involved in coaching groups. You can get involved in coaching. You can get involved in counseling. But we want to help because you can, and that's part of that relentless gratitude or relentless optimism is that you engage people that are going to help you to rise above this critical spirit so that you can have the freedom that I 100% believe is in store for you, regardless of your age and what you've been through. So subscribe and contact us and engage. So... My name's Adam Gregg. This is Decide Your Legacy Podcast. Take action with something that you learned today. You got three actions you can take. Three actions you can take. One is to notice and become aware of the negativity. Two is relentless gratitude, relentless optimism. And three is by faith, by faith, take action, trusting, trusting that it will work out. Have faith, have trust that it will work out. Thank you for tuning in. Take action. You decide your legacy. Nobody else. You decide your future. Nobody else. Take action with something that you learned today. See you next time. Bye-bye. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. 